Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Man, that was some passion you said persuasion <laughs> with there. I'm, I feel like we, we must have a guest today. It's uh, Friday, man. Up. We have a great yeah. guest. We have a, a great weekend. We got some, uh, our Braves are, it's uh, game three tonight. Against those yeah, like in Philadelphia uh, sillies. Yeah, we are house divided here. <laughs> so just so you know, but yeah, I can um, imagine. I, it actually starts here pretty soon during the show yeah, as we're recording, right. so we'll have to wrap up. But, that's right. Um, yeah, we got a great guest. Interesting. I don't know if you knew this, Jonathan, mm-hmm. but the last time this guest was on was episode 180, and today is episode 280. So exactly 100 episodes later, you, know, you and I were, yeah, you and I were talking about as we approach 300, we want to have some of our favorite guests back and Absolutely. some of the, some of the people's favorite guests. And since we couldn't get those on, we have this guest on today. <laughs> so um, he'll be, he'll be excited to know he was at the bottom of the, of the barrel for <laughs> No, seriously. Um, our he's he's today, felt that. I'm sure he's been at the bottom of the barrel before, so. Goodness, I don't know. That's kind of rude. <laughs> we've all um, been there. At some yeah, we've point. all been there at some point on somebody's list, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. Well, maybe we should just bring him in. We should. Of, uh, instead of roasting him, <laughs> we should just bring him in. Uh, he can't even defend he's himself. He's out in the green room and here, I mean. I know. That's goodness. why we. That's why we're telling jokes now. <laughs> so, yeah, our, our guest today is Bill Mueller from StorySalesMachine.com. That was the wrong one. There we go. <laughs> We're all over the place today. Oh, Bill, man. I got to say, though, yes, twice. the story sales machine is one of my all-time favorite things that I've referenced, that I, I, I go back to time and time again as a reference. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. you know, we're just teasing there, Bill. We love your stuff, and uh, I guess we'll be talking about some new stuff that you're working on or that you've launched today as well. So well, well first, first we got to talk baseball because I, I'm going to divide your house even further. Oh no. <laughs> Who we got here? Oh, oh no. Padres. Yeah. Padres. You know, it's funny. I, I, I've lived in three main cities in the U S in my life. I grew up in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and uh, talk about bottom of the barrel. It was tough times until the late seventies. And then, 35 years in San Diego, and now for the last five years, I live I live in Seattle. Oh, wow. And the Mariners are just, you know. <laughs> well, Jonathan and I grew up in the 70s with the Braves, so we, we <laughs> feel your pain as far as okay. the 70s, early 80s, with the, even most of the 80s, actually, with the Braves. So, yes, yeah, Dale Murphy was our lone, uh, that Dale was our Murphy. only hero of that, of that genre. He was the one yeah. saving grace amidst yeah. a, a horrible franchise, so. Yeah. So we had Chief Nakahoma. That was good <laughs> That's right. back, in the, back in the day. So he's now canceled, I'm sure. Or, so he yep. wouldn't have made it through all this anyway. Oh, but I well, still I still hear the tomahawk chop at Kansas oh, yeah. Chiefs games. And, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Braves still do it. They haven't mm-hmm. changed their name yet from, you know, Braves right. to yeah, Guardians yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> and it's, it is so hard to watch Cleveland. And keep and yeah. really take them seriously as the guardians. That's it's yeah. just odd. So, or the Red Washington Redskins and the command as the, the commanders. commanders. Yeah, commanders, yeah. Well, yeah. it's crazy. All right, <laughs> enough politics. Let's talk about. So, uh, let's give everybody a refresher. So, Bill, why don't you um, 
give everybody just a little bit of background in case they weren't here a hundred episodes ago or forgotten since then. Like, you know, some people that sleep, they forget things after they go to sleep. <clears throat> so give us a little background and catch us up to what you've been up to. I can remember. I'm going to say, oh. I'm going to start off by saying I remember quite well. You started out in, uh, in sports journalism, right, Bill? That's right. See? Look at you. Steel journalism. I was right. I was writing for the community newspaper in high school. Yep. And what a kick that was to see that the newspaper dropped on people's doorsteps. And I'm a high school kid. <laughs> there's my byline in the paper. Yep. That like gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. And then journalism major in college, and then out of college, uh, sports editor, news editor, copy editor, wore various hats, had small newspapers, then did some freelance writing for papers and magazines and then uh, got into copywriting eventually. And what were some of, of the local, uh, what were some of the local teams that you covered back in the day? Yeah, well, that- it was a lot of, it was a lot of high school. Okay. So uh, La Jolla, California, which is in San Diego actually. And check this out. Do you guys remember a football player named Rashan Salam? I do. I do. Yes. Heisman trophy winner. He played at La Jolla country day school on an eight-man football team. Basically, every time he touched the football, he got in the end zone, made it to the NFL, and uh, but he wasn't even the best player on his team. There was a field goal kicker who won Parade Magazine National Player of the Year. He was such an amazing field goal kicker. That's unbelievable. A but he never made it. Never made it. No. Yeah, kicker, right? <laughs> if I was going to do my life over, I would be a kicker or a punter. A punter. Yes. No. Yeah. Not a kicker. A punter. A punter's yeah. got the. They, they've got but the yeah, best. There's game. no game-winning punts. No. You know <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Well, before we go too much further, Bill, um, let's talk about our beverages. So, Bill, do you have a beverage yeah. there? I do. I picked this out. It's from a local brewery here in Seattle. I don't know. All right. Which. Yeah. Oh, Alicia. Okay. Alicia. Elysian. Okay. Elysian. Dragon's, Dragon's Tooth Stout. Ooh. All right. Love and, good stout. Uh, what, what words are not to like here? Uh, <laughs> notes of oatmeal, chocolate, and citrus. Very nice. Wow. What kind of ABV we working with there, does it say? Yeah, it's uh, 8.1. Yeah. Okay. Nice. We're, all, we're all up there today. We are all fortified. <laughs> it's, it's Friday, right? Yes, exactly. You can't, you can't go with the unleaded. No, no. I like that you're on the West coast and still joining us for a beverage. That's a lot right. of West coast yeah. guests don't do that. So we appreciate, but you are in Seattle. So you know what I thought about doing? Tell me if this would have been offensive. Uh, but uh, I've been, I've been kind of drinking more hard cider lately. Would that have huh? been, uh, would that have ruined the show? No, nah, that'd be fine. We've done some hard cider. Yeah. Okay. We've done oh, yeah, whiskey, you know, ciders, yeah, scotch, uh, yeah, scotch, all kinds of yeah. stuff. So Jonathan, what do you have up there? <clears throat> so I have a, I'm going to pull this up on the screen and then I'll show you my can here. So I've got a <clears throat> rogue dead and dead. Um, this is a, um, I'm trying to see, this is a, 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 an ale, but it's a bourbon it's a bourbon barrel ale, I believe. Okay. Nice. Um, so I did not realize too, Sean, I was thinking this was like 7% ABV, but I was wrong. This is nine point nine and a half, nine and a half okay. ABV. I like it. Um, it's only available for the month of October, well, September and October. So it is a, uh, uh, let's see, our brewers and distillers team up to show off the best of both worlds by aging dead guy ale in dead guy whiskey barrels. 
Dead mm. and Dead complements the flavor. Uh, the flavor profile of our classic Dead Guy Ale with oak, vanilla, fruit notes from whiskey barrels. So there we go. Nice. I think Dead Guy Ale was one of my first craft brews that I tasted from Rogue. You know, because Rogue, yeah. was, they led the craft That's brew right. thing. So. There's a, well, you can see the can, so. Yeah. So I'm going to take your screen down. I'm going to share mine. So I've got, on my end, I've got... Um, from Martin House Brewing, I've got Mr. Mummy, since it is October, mm. and it is a stout. It's a vanilla toffee crunch stout. Mm. So, Boy, that's here's the, so here's the can. Ma- Marty's Little Monsters, Mr. Mummy, <laughs> vanilla toffee crunch stout, and then it's oh, got like a, a picture on the back of Mr. Mummy. Is he got? Yeah. A, is that a mugshot? Oh yeah, it is. A yeah, mugshot. <laughs> it's a mugshot. I don't know what he was doing on Halloween, but <laughs> apparently nothing good because nothing good happens after midnight. So, um, so yeah, I thought this looked interesting. It actually came in a four pack, and it had four different beers in the four pack, which I love. You know, especially for this show. Mm, nice. Instead of buying four packs and you know only being able to use one on the show, <laughs> then you have to drink them elsewhere, I guess. But that's right. Oh well. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's cheers it up and then rate them. Cheers, gentlemen. I mean, I haven't even poured mine yet. Oh, oh right, hold on, <laughs> hold on, wait on our guest. Cue the Jeopardy music. Oh. <laughs> All right, there we go. Cheers. All right, cheers. Let's get another one in. There we go. Ooh. Okay. By the way, mine's ten percent alcohol. I don't think I said that. And I taste all ten percent. Mm. Bill, what's your rating? One to five pints. Decimals are welcome. 4.5. All right. Solid. Yeah, That's a good really one. Good. good score. It's uh, it's a little creamier than I expected, but it's really good. Yeah. Jonathan, you're halfway <laughs> through yours. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go three, like a three, six on this one. Not quite what I expected, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. I was I was expecting to be a little bit sweeter. And um, so I was I'm a little surprised. But 36. Okay. All right, I'm going to do a 4.0. Um it's got a strong alcohol kind of finish to it. Mm-hmm. Almost like a bourbon or something finish to it. Um, which might be the toffee and stuff, the toffee crunch, but it's definitely got a strong toffee crunch start to it. So definitely true to its name, vanilla toffee crunch stout, but a little, a little, a little tough on the alcohol there right at the kind of at the end. It's like, wow, is this a, didn't know I was drinking whiskey or bourbon today. <laughs> sure. It's only 10%. <laughs> yeah. That's the 10% for you, I guess. Um, but I think it'll mellow out here over the next 30 minutes or so as it airs out. So yeah, so pretty good across the board. Three, six, four, and four, five. Not bad at all. All right, right. Let's jump back into it, Jonathan. I know you've been excited. You you want to kick off any questions or thoughts? Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm curious um, a little bit of what you've been, you know, what you've been doing. We kind of gave your a little bit of your background, Bill, but. Uh, you know, we had you on previously talking about the story sales machine. I know you do a lot of copywriting, um, got a great course. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you've been doing lately. Yeah. So, you know, when I first was on with you guys before that was pretty new in that story sales machine business. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
part of my program was giving people like a free 30 minute call anytime they bought something. And boy, I learned a lot by talking to hundreds of people. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've had some kind of interesting insights. So basically since then I've continued to sell that I'm still doing a little bit of client work here and there, but mostly focusing on my own business and, uh, working on some finding ways to help people on a deeper level, uh, after people, cause a lot of people get through my course and they still kind of need help on really implementing it. So I've been coming up with trainings on how to help people, people at a deeper level. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Who's your favorite copywriter outside? Of you? Oh, you're the, you, you're a great one. Who's your, who's your idol? Wow. That's tough. <laughs> that's uh, tough. That's like, it's like choosing a parent or, or a I'll kid. Tell you who my, I'll tell you who my favorite email writer is. How about that? Okay. Uh, okay. Laura, Laura Belgrade. Okay. I've heard uh, that name, but I don't think oh I'm on God. her list you, or anything. How do you spell that last bell, bell gray? Just the way it sounds. B L G R A Y. Okay. Hmm. Sometimes she'll send an email that's so good. It makes me want to quit copywriting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty high remarks. I mean, I'm going to have to get on. Oh, her, her, web, her website is talking shrimp. Talking. Did you say talking, talking shrimp? shrimp? Shrimp as in seafood. Wow. She's really good. Well, that's, yeah, you don't have to convince me to, I love shrimp. <laughs> Probably love it even more after reading her emails. Yeah. Get the, get the only, get the only emails anyone likes anymore. Emails that make you a better writer, become a shrimper, drink them up. <laughs> you know what I like about her? She's funny. And I think yeah. funny is a very underrated thing in copy. Yeah, and it's hard to pull off. Like, it is. It is hard to pull off. That's that's a struggle I've had because I'm I'm fairly funny, I think, in print. And but I'm but it is hard to teach. And I do realize that it's not it's not something everybody can probably realistically do. And it's funny because a lot of people are funny in real life, but it, they have a hard time having that come across in print. Even though I tell people all the time, writing is just talking on paper. Yeah. Funny, funny is a hard thing, and there's also you know, different styles of funny and right. Yeah. I'll, everybody's got a different sense of humor. It can be a tough thing. What's well, yeah. To me, what, what's the formula? Well, there's no formula, but like, what's the key there? Is it, you know, self-deprecation? I mean, like, I mean, when you're writing, you know, obviously I think people, that's kind of one of those things that people hate to criticize for some reason, hate to criticize themselves. But I think some of the best storytellers out there that are really good in humor uh, know really how to tell, you know, great stories that are funny, but it's always like, they're always the butt end of the joke or they're like, they're always the one that's something bad's happening to, and they don't mind sharing that, you know? Um, right. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think people just love that type of humor. And I think we got away from it. I think nowadays you look at comedians today and it's hard for me to relate to a lot of comedians because the comedy is all about, making fun of somebody else instead of making fun of yourself with yes. so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would say even, I agree with that, but on the other hand, sometimes self-deprecation becomes so common and so right. reflexive that it, I almost feel like, come on, get some, get a little bit of self-esteem here. And, you know, yes. Well, quit you kicking do, yourself. Especially, especially with somebody who's got like really high stature. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and you can tell they're doing the self-deprecation thing just to bring themselves down to our level. And sometimes yeah. it's not as believable. Right. That's a good point. 
you do one thing you do well, I think Bill in your emails, um, is the use of gifts, which, you know, gifts are one of my love languages. So, uh, the way you use gifts in your emails or images in your emails very strategically. I think that's kind of one way you do humor. I know. Yes. It's an easy, it's an easy way to do it. And that's, yeah. that's kind of one of my secrets. Although did you see the, the Atlantic magazine just came out with an article, the death of gifts and oh, no, it kind of made big news and they had a good point though. They kind of mentioned that they're getting so common now that if you use it, there's a certain segment of the population that's basically going to say, okay, boomer, you know, and, you know, and, and I, I think they have a point because there are some gifts that have been overused, like everything in marketing, things get, oh, yeah. overused. you know, we've all yeah. seen the Michael Jackson eating the popcorn thing in the comments. Yeah. Like I probably wouldn't put that in it in an email because that is common. So what I do, I try to look for a second level. Yes. Insight. Like it can, you can kind of compound a joke with another joke in the gift rather than just sure. doing a straight representation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do that too. Whenever I do gifts as comments or, you know, whatever, I try to find one that I haven't seen before for that reason. Like, yeah, I don't want to use the same one that everybody, you know, the same, <laughs> same little baby with the fist pump. Right. I mean, that right. kid's sick. Got to be sixteen or twenty by now. Probably in college. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that one's been way overused. <laughs> yeah, so little things like that. So, what are some other ways you incorporate humor? <clears throat> well, uh, some I've been doing recently is is making like little aside. So I'll, I'll finish a draft of an email and I'll go back through it and think what what how can I spike? I don't want to overdo it. You know, like like tap a tea or Tabasco. A little goes a long way. Right. Uh, so I don't want to be a a rim shot joke machine at time after time, but I will look for opportunities to kind of slide in a quick comment. Uh, somebody wrote me once a nice compliment. He goes, you know, you have a nice, your, your emails have a nice undertone of humor to them. And I like that because I'm, I'm trying not to be funny per se, but I, I just want kind of a funny flavor to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's um, not a stand up set. That's right. That's right. Like there's some people like Will Ferrell's like this. Aquafina's like this. If they just show up there, you, you just, they're just funny just by being there yeah, and they yeah. don't have, they don't have to do too much to put you into the tipping point of sure. feeling humor. So I kind of like to write that way. And I think one way to do that is when my, my draft is finished, I'll go back and look to see if I can make some little aside. And sometimes I'll put it in a much smaller font. So it's kind of like this, like off to the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one thing I like to do just to make it a little more subtle. Um, but you're right that an image or a gift can some kind sometimes do that without any any words from me, and people can move on it quickly because you know you can process an image way quicker than you can oh absolutely a sentence. Right. So yeah. a lot a lot of people like to kind of put down images and, and gifts and emails, and I don't want to overuse them. Although I did use a uh, an image of a various mullets in nine different instances one e- when one email, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's just uh, it's just a nice way to add humor without spending a lot of time on it. Sure. Well, Bill, you said you had talked to you know since we've talked, you said you've talked to hundreds of people because of your offer and things like that. Um, what are some of the things that you learned? Obviously, you came out with a new course, a follow up course um, that you're re- you're kind of recording as we speak. Well, not immediately as we speak, but this week. I Are we on the course? The first- <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not on the this course. This is great. <laughs> um, so what what did you learn and what caused, what was that what had you make this new course? And can you tell people about kind of what that is and yeah, you know, how yeah, that, that came about? 
that, that's exactly how it came about is after talking to people, my original course was super helpful. I got tons of great testimonials and people loved it, but I found that people still weren't bringing themselves to, to write and send emails actually. And I'm like, why is that? And so I yeah. actually, for you know, weeks I sent emails and my call to action was a PS in the email that said, Hey, what's, what's holding you back from sending more emails? Just hit reply and let me know. And I cataloged them. I put them all in a spreadsheet and I had dozens and dozens of responses and over and over some same themes kept cropping up. And one was, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to hear my story. Um, I feel like I'll be bothering my list if I tell them about stories in my life. Um, where do I even get my story ideas? And so it hit me that I took it for granted, I think, with my original course that people kind of knew how to get their own stories. And I, I came from the world of journalism where you just, and, you know, journalists have it easy. They just get sent somewhere by an editor and they show up and there's the story. And you just yeah. have to start taking notes and you just have to ask questions. But the key to finding your own stories is just asking yourself some of those questions. Mm-hmm. But it's also a, a question of confidence. And people, people think that ordinary moments don't make for great stories because they're ordinary so I, I, the I started, opposite is true, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the opposite, opposite is true. The opposite is, tr- is true. The more mundane, the more prosaic something is, the more fascinating it is because it's almost like people get to be, you know, we all want to be voyeurs, I think, in the end. Yeah. What's the old, what's the quote? Um, that which is most personal is most general or something like that. Yes. Uh, I've heard that before. I can't say it specifically, but you're right. Yeah, it's something like that. So the, the stuff that we think is too personal to share is probably what's most common in other people's lives. Sure. Um, because it's, and if you look at going back to kind of bringing comedy back in, if you look at a really good stand-up, a lot of times what makes it funny is how relatable it is. Not right. Not that oh, it's I, I their story. That's like, I would say that's the 80-20 of stand-up yeah. acts that I see. They're just laying themselves bare. Yeah. And just, just the fact that you're being confessional and laying yourself vulnerable, you, you're, you've got your, the audience half on your side just by doing that. Yeah, exactly. So you had, a, so you had all these people who are like, Oh, I don't have a story. Whoa. I, you know, what do I do? Yeah. And, they, and they, they, they were worried about things that, um, I long ago stopped worrying about like people unsubscribing mm-hmm. or, uh, I'm, af- I'm afraid I'll bother them if I, if I email them five times a week and I'm like, yeah, you will, if you send boring emails, but you know, <laughs> if you, if you tell stories and be yourself and use the program, like I, I teach you to, you won't be doing that. People actually look forward to getting your emails. Right. And so that's kind of what I learned. So my new training was all about how I kind of put all these pieces together and, and come up with stories and how to segue from the story to whatever it is you're selling. A lot of people are hung up on that. I found yeah. that naturally very easy to do. Same and, here. Uh, I, I, I claim that it's way simpler than people make it. Um, so that's, that's kind of what the new training's about because I just discovered it talking to all these people. They love the idea of stories, but they still just can't bring themselves to do it. They just needed a little more help. Yeah. I'd say that transition, um, for whatever, I think is my sales training and stuff, you know, cause there's a couple transitions, Jonathan, you know, this, when you're in face to face sales, there's, you got the report stage <laughs> and then you got to, you know, you got to transition from rapport into talking business and then mm-hmm. from there, you know, to asking for the order. So I think having sales training that helps, yeah. but a lot of people don't have that, you know, they've never had that. So, um, you were good at asking questions and kind of having that format as a journalist, but I can see how people get hung up on that, but it really is pretty, pretty straightforward. I love that you have a whole list of, uh, in your story sales machine, you have a whole list of transition 
phrases, but yeah. even that wasn't enough for people, huh? They were. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they think, they think they have to construct this big artifice to make this big transition <laughs> when in reality, you just, just flip the dial and, and right. You know, maybe my favorite transition, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer that you can transition from almost anything to what you're selling, no matter how far. So in fact, my default, you know, pull the parachute cord move is to say, look, there's no, there's no easy way to transition to this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. People, people know the, the context of your email. They're yeah. you're telling stories and you're selling something. So you wouldn't want to do that every time, but it's really like today, somebody emailed me that said, you know, I don't know how to transition from uh, this email. They showed me the email to what they did. And one of my favorite phrases is this reminds me of, you know, all this reminds me of dot, dot, dot. And that's, that's, you know, you're oh, really, you really, it really can be that simple. Yep. And yeah, like, here's why I said, here's why I shared this. Yeah. You might here's be wondering one. why I bring all this up. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Just little, yeah. One liners is all you need for the most part. Yep. It's, it doesn't right. have to be a, a big production or anything like that. So yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. I've used your, you had a, what, 50 stories in the original course. Mm-hmm that you'd pulled from wherever you pulled them from. I, I tell you, I, I use those with a client and I would use them about not all the time, but I probably used 10 or 15 of them over the course of a year, sending out weekly emails. Um, and every time I did, the client would call me back or text me and be like, that was a great email. <laughs> so, and I was like, thank you. I worked hard on that. So, so, so hard. hard. Yeah. So hard. Um, <laughs> you know, did have to put in a segue and stuff like that. But yeah, some of those stories were really, were really good. Um, So how, what are you telling getting back to people having trouble finding their own stories? What did you kind of discover as a way to help them through that? Well, one way I have is uh, just, I have a, speaking of questions, I have a long document that I call this the memory prompter or the story prompter. Mm -hmm. I literally have hundreds of questions and they could be as simple as, because you have all these stories in your head. You just don't, know you have them there. Right. Like if I asked you, what was the view like from your bedroom window when you were a kid? An, an image would instantly pop in your mind and perhaps a story would too. Um, you know, the classic one is what was your first kiss or what, what's, what's the most unusual thing that happened to you at a concert was. I mean, there's just so many things that have happened in your life and all you need is a question to, to spur you to it. But then I also have a process to take to, that takes people through their product uh, the pain points of their audience, their audience's deepest desires. Um, there's just, there's no lack of way to get stories. And then the other way, you know, I write a lot of emails that are, uh, what I call collected stories where they're out there. They happened in the news. Like one of my favorite ones that I wrote about was I ran across a headline that said, why did Bruce Lee wear, wear a yellow jumpsuit? And there was a picture of Bruce Lee in his prime, just this, Bruce Lee, just at his best, he had this yellow jumpsuit, and it was from that famous movie in 1979 called Game of Death. And and I'm like, wow, that is a great question. Because we all know that Bruce Lee was an Asian actor who was um, stereotyped by Hollywood, didn't get the roles he should have because they were behind the times. Did, mm-hmm. he, did he wear this yellow, iconic, it was an iconic yellow jumpsuit. Is it because he um, was trying to make some sort of statement? And I'm like, wow, that, that's, I need to find the answer to that. So that, and we talked about images before, just the image alone of Bruce Lee. I, I saw that image. I'm like, that will make a good email. That the subject line of why did he, why did Bruce Lee wear a yellow jumpsuit? 
and him in that picture, I'm like, I can build an email around that because that's interesting to me. And if it's sure. interesting to me, it'll be interesting to others. So what was the answer? You can't leave us hanging. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and that's, that was, it, it, it was a fun email to write because the answer is <clears throat> first of all, he's in a movie with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at seven foot two. And Bruce Lee was what, maybe five, six at the most. Yeah. Uh, Kareem was one of <clears throat> Bruce Lee's students. So imagine that. Wow. So they're, in a, they were friends and, uh, because they both lived in LA. So, uh, Kareem's in the movie and they have a fight scene, seven foot two Kareem against Bruce Lee. And in the scene, Kareem does a, a leg kick in, into the chest of Bruce Lee. And no, it wasn't some state racial statement that uh, Bruce Lee was trying to make. Basic, basically, they realized that Kareem's footprint would not show up on the black shirt that uh, Bruce Lee had on. They, <laughs> they, had, they had to pick, they just went to the costume closet and pulled this out and said, put this on. The, uh, the uh, shoe print will fill, uh, show up very well on that. Yeah. That's, that's all it was. That's wow, just for dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah. And so the point of my email was, you know, I'm teaching story-based marketing and emails. My point was, Hey, sometimes the story is not what you think it is. Is that, is that a, is that a disappointing ending? I, mm-hmm. I said, for me, it's not because it has the ring of truth to it. And mm-hmm. it tells you that sometimes things aren't always what they seem, but it, it was authentic and kind of turned it into an email. I, I liked it. Yeah, that's cool. And are you just, how do you keep your, by now your radar is up, but how did you start looking for these stories? I guess as a journalist, it's kind of in your blood, but how do people start looking or finding these stories? Do you search for them when you need one? Do you just have a folder where you collect them? Yeah, I have, I have a couple ways of filing them. I, I put them in spreadsheets. I have an Evernote uh, folder that has a lot of them. Um, but when I'm out and about, um, I just, I just see stories everywhere. I mean, just these ordinary moments. For instance, let's let's say the, let's say you're at the store and the cashier gives you the wrong change, and you go out to the parking lot and you realize that you got the wrong change. Well, that's that's such an ordinary moment. And let's say the cashier was rude to you, <laughs> and now you have a, it's a bigger decision whether to go back. Right. And it's raining out, and you don't want to go back in. I mean, that's that's like an ordinary dilemma moment with conflict that would make for a great story. And. Yeah. Uh, so just things during your day. I do have some go-to places that I, I if I need a story, it doesn't happen often, that I'll look for. Um, one of them is, I think it's called Ranker.com. They have very unusual, weird stories. You know, here's a great thing I do is I'll go to Google and I'll type in the unknown story of, and you know how Google will auto-suggest. Oh, yeah. You just oh, put yeah. in a letter A, then you'll put in a letter B, and you'll see the untold story of, Queen Elizabeth, and then put in one more word. You're going to come up with. Mm-hmm. Look at that. The untold story of the Mayflower. Okay. That might be, well, that's a film. Yeah. The untold story of sushi in America. There could be a story there. Yeah. Um, or another way to do it is weird stories about, and then you. Actually, this one's pretty good. Like, cause the first line, at least in the, um, Ooh, that's a hard page to read. <laughs> that's weird. That's a New York Times page. That's hard to read, so that's not going to work. Um, but like on the actual Google listing, if we had more time, how a controversial religion from Korea quietly built an empire of raw fish. Like that's an interesting. Sure. Yeah, that's very compelling right there. So, yeah, I would definitely look more into that. Um, that's a great that. headline. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a great. Yeah, There's your I mean, headline right there. <laughs> 
Yeah, That's you right. can fill in. I mean, you could use that for all kinds of stuff. How a controversial blank from blank mm-hmm. quietly built an empire of blank. And look at that. You, you, and you found that story by putting in the untold story of and then the letter S. And you got 26 other letters. Yeah, I didn't even put the... I didn't even put the S in. It just came yeah. up for whatever reason. So, um, Emmett Lewis Till, like, I don't know who that is, but uh, that's a film, but, uh, <laughs> until story of Barney. Yeah. That's said, put in a, yeah, that's cool. That's a great little, great little tip right there. And I, get them from, I get them also from podcasts, believe it or not. <laughs> um, from listening to podcasts and other people's stories or, yeah, like, you know, I, I wrote an email about, I, I wasn't aware of uh, the whole story at life and career arc of Jewel. And then I heard it on Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of that, I'm like, holy cow, that's, that's, that's I got great. it. Yeah, yeah there's so I wasn't aware of all her ups and downs, even though that coffee shop she started, that was just up the block from me in San Diego. That was probably, now that you mentioned it, I remember that email. It was a long email. Um, was it like something about her? being taken for a hundred million dollars or something like that was the subject line from her mom. No, that- why, uh, why, she was homeless and turned down $1 million, but why? Yeah. yeah. Mm. That was it. Yeah. That was a good email. I remember that. Um, it made me want to go like listen to the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was, I was like, I mean, I it was one of the stories that was just too amazing to be true. But it was, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, especially on Joe Rogan, there's a lot of those, you know, his, the interview he had with um, the, the girl from um, Korea, North Korea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a powerful podcast. Yeah. And there's all kinds of stories, you know, in there too. I mean, there's probably, there's probably a year's worth of stories in those, either oh, one of sure. those, you know, just, and little, there's, little yeah, snippets. and there's, there's like all kinds of podcasts. I have one, I'm, this might be my next email actually is about, uh, if you Google it, you would find it. It's, it's about a cat named mashed potatoes. This woman used to be an opera singer and she just, just a very amateur one in high school. And she was caught on audio singing to this cat coming up the sidewalk. And it was so something about the audio, they called it the brain feel, the brain feel of it. The one, this woman's voice coaxing this cat nearer to her. It went viral and it's been heard like 43 million times. So it's about audio <laughs> sampling. And sure. it's about what, what made this so attractive to people that they listen to it over and over. And I'm going to write an email about that, about how mm-hmm. to make your emails have good brain feel, because part of it isn't just what you're teaching people and the value you're bringing, but it's also entertaining and how your emails feel. If people feel good opening your emails, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to keep opening them. Yeah. And that's half the battle right there. It's just getting their attention. Sure. That's a, and that's a great phrase that, you know, as a copywriter, you know, that's one of the things we do is we, we don't always make up the phrases. Sometimes we do, but a lot, I, my first copy chief told me you got to ha- be able to recognize good copy when you see it, yeah. like a good phrase. So that, that idea of brain feel, like that's a good copy phrase. It's like, yeah. Ooh, that's, that's an interesting term because it's, you know, what brain means, you know, what feel means, but you probably never heard brain feel together. Right. Yeah. So you got to know more. Uh, yeah. I know. I, I kind of fell in love with it too. And, you know, we've all heard about mouthfeel with wines and, and even beer, I guess. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Looking yeah. for those little phrases that you can then unpack for people. Uh, Cause once you hear something like that, it's just that part of our brain's got to know the answer. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then this, this particular podcast got into 
um, some audio samples go viral because there's some repetitive nature to them or there's something surprising. Just like with humor, you know, probably the most common way to get somebody to laugh is give them something surprising. Yeah, yeah, misdirection. When the brain doesn't expect it, it it provokes a laugh. Sure. Well, there's there's something with these audio samples when you do a certain pattern and then break the pattern. People can't stop. People can't stop listening to it. Yep. Yeah. 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 That that idea of misdirection and in um, which really good copy does that too is is misdirection. You get people yeah. going leaning one way and then you go the pattern, other way. Yeah, that's that right. That pattern interrupt and mm-hmm. you know misdirection. But yeah, that's a key to, to good stand up. Is you got to have the you got to get them leaning one way. And then jerk them back the other way so they're off yeah, balance. Absolutely. You can't throw you can't throw three four cut seam fastballs in a row. You got to put in the change up somewhere. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's way perfect. to bring back the baseball. And there That's you right. go. Speaking all of right, baseball, so, do you use do you use uh, sports stories at all in your copy? I mean, yeah, as, a, I as a former I, sports writer, I do because I'm 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 still into sports. I still play them. I've written about me playing tennis with my buddy Brian on Saturdays, yeah. and uh, I still play pickup basketball. And it's funny, it's a great question because my audience is not into sports. Some of them are, I'm sure. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's it's one of my one of my tenants is I'm gonna write about what I'm into. Yes. And if I yes. if I write it with enough if I write it with enough brain field, people will come along for the ride because I'm on people's lists and they can write about something that I'm totally not into, but I'm on board because I like the way they write. Yeah. yeah so and, I'll, and- I'll bring in sports, but I won't I won't you know, stay on it exclusively. I will put it into some context. Like if I have to explain who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, probably nobody needs to know who he is, but I'll, 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 I know who I'm talking to. So um, if you're doing baseball, you're not going to get into like OPS and, you know, like all these, you know, detailed terms that only really true baseball fans know, unless you were writing to a baseball list, obviously then you would go in that depth. But yeah, if you're just writing generally, everybody knows what baseball is for the most part. Sure. Whether they watch it or not, same with football. Yeah, yeah, let's let's say I saw something uh, interesting about uh, something that Aaron Judge did. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows who Babe Ruth was. Everybody knows what a home run is. That's that's all the connection you need to build an email around that. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. There's a great uh, website. I I know you mentioned the um, the Atlantic earlier. I you know I love subscribing to a publication called the Athletic. Um, I don't know if you, you get that, but they, there's some really good writers in that publication. So it's a subscription base, but the people that write the stories that are, you know, it's related to, you know, collegiate, professional sports, you know, baseball, football, whatever you're interested in. You, it's one of those publications that you can pretty much, you know, checklist what your interests are specifically in sports and you kind of get the you know, those articles are pretty much, you know, assembled, you know, for whatever you want to read. And so, but the writers I find are really good in that they, they really are, they're really good at storytelling. And so those are some, that's a really good publication. I, I kind of tap into from time to time just to get some, you know, ideas for uh, just writing personal emails to clients and using, you know, stories from something that they're a team that they're interested in or somebody, you know, organization they're interested in. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I was like, I I heard a story this past week with, um, I think it was a a new book out on Alabama. Like I think somebody writes a book about Alabama just about every six months or so. 
Um, but there's a new book out. I think it's called The Program, where the writer talks about how the athletic director at the time was able to persuade, you know, Nick Saban into coming to Alabama. It was a ama- it's an ex- actually a really good read. Uh, if you read the article, but just, and it's kind of prefacing the book, but it's amazing how, you know, the story behind the scenes of what happened there to get, you know, Mr. Nick Saban, St. Nicholas to uh, come to the University of Alabama. It was actually more, more, you know, more went into it than you think, you know, it was. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, coming from from LSU after just winning. Yeah. That's a tough tough sell. That's what makes the, the athletic is fantastic. I'm a fan yeah. of that. It's, I will, I will, you know, sports illustrated used to be that way back yeah. in the day. Yep. Guys like Gary Smith and Frank DeFord, mm-hmm. um, HBO real sports just did a, a piece that popped into mind when you were. Oh yeah. I love that. They, they, they did this thing on sumo wrestling. Yeah. And I was like, I almost was going to fast forward, but it was totally <laughs> fascinating because yeah. it was so well done. And so, yeah, now Netflix is is really you know with the Last Dance and some of the yeah. other the you know I love uh, those thirty for thirty. Some of those yeah. thirty for thirties are amazing. I don't, yeah. even, I don't even I don't even I'll barely even look at the topic. I'll just play them because they're all so well done. Yeah, they're all yeah. a little depressing though uh, <laughs> sometimes. But I love the editorial banter at the beginning where they're like talking about what they're going to talk about. Yes, um, that sitting around the table. I think that's always a cool <laughs> right. insight. It is. Um, cause we did that when I worked at Agora. Sean, that's actually, um, one of my things I try to do in emails is you're kind of breaking the fourth wall there. Yes. And that's not something a lot of people do and that's, it's not hard to do. And I think people kind of zoom in when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. One thing I like to do is ask questions in the voice of the reader, Mm. you know, in my emails to get them to ask the question that I think they might be asking but to go ahead and force the question. So now the answer makes more sense to the brain. It's just, it's something in the brain that's like keeps them on track with what you're trying to say. So um, Bill, I'm going to change gears a little bit here. So I'm looking at your, your sales letter, which by the way, kind of, it, it, it kind of pissed me off a little bit because like, it's so simple. You just put your sales letter on a Google doc. <laughs> Like you didn't even make a website for it. You just put it up on a Google doc, which I thought was just, you know, just simple and brilliant. So, um, I was well, like, let me, oh, let me, man. let me, can I, can I say something about that? Yeah. Cause this, this goes back to, uh, throwing the three cut fastballs in a row and then coming in with the, the change up or the slider. I, I think that we constantly have to be on guard in, in the art of persuasion and, and marketing as to what people are used to seeing. So if I put up a traditional, I love sales pages. I'm a fan of them. They're great. But yeah. if you can put something in front of them, it's a little bit different. And this, the, a Google doc is so familiar to people. It has a homemade feel to them. Sure. Right. Um, I, 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 I almost wanted to write more about that in, in my promotional emails, but I didn't, I might yeah. later. Well, you know, Frank Kern does that a lot where he just like, he'll say in his emails and I know it's to increase click through rates, but it'd be like, look, even if you don't want this, at least go look at the sales letter, you know, sure, or, right. or go look at the examples in the case studies because they're worth looking at and they're worth studying, even if you don't buy, you know, so that's an easy thing you could do here. But yeah, so for those watching on on the YouTubes or want to go <laughs> check it out later um, on the YouTube channel, yeah, here's here's Bill's uh, sales letter for his new new course. 
And it's just a Google Doc, which so, I think is just absolutely. Explain this, Sean. He it, So this was sent out via email with a Google Doc, with no, a, link a link to a Google a, Doc. Yeah, link to a Google Doc from the email. Right. Simple as that. Yep. But yeah, there's no, uh, you know, no coding <laughs> required, no, no, you know, basic graphics Perfect. that you can drop in. Love just that. super simple. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask, Bill, was I wanted to ask if we could get a sneak peek into some of the answers on these amazing bullets that you have here. Good old fascination bullets, right? That we all have to use to sell stuff. Um, which one of these could we get you to divulge without have without going through the whole course? Sure. Um, we already talked about how to train yourself to easily pick up stories a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, ordinary moments from your day. Um, Ooh, I love that. The secret places for finding... I don't know if you well, I, I gave you one of those with that Google uh, charm bracelet. Well, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Um, See, we've already been talking about a lot of this stuff. Uh, how about here? Scroll up up higher a little bit. That's all. Yeah. Let's see. Um, which one? Oh, reverse your customer's journey. Okay, this this might be something people already know, but okay. it's helpful to think of your customer on an A to B journey right now they're in A and they want to, they want to get to B, right? So let's say it's, you know, let's say they want to learn how to play guitar. Okay. So you look at their A A to B journey. A is like, maybe they've never even picked up a guitar before, but they want to, they want to learn how to play guitar. B Mm -hmm. is they're able to play a a song for their girlfriend on a couch on Friday night to, to impress them. So that's not, B is not the actual goal, but yeah, we get it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're playing whatever, whatever, your, whatever your goal is, maybe your goal is playing <laughs> Madison Square Garden. I don't know. But, uh, so, so list, list out the steps that, that somebody would have to take to get from A to B. You know, they'd, you know, they'd have to learn the cowboy chords. They'd have to learn yeah. how to play a bar chord. They'd have to learn how to, you know, you know, just build up the calluses on their fingers. So just list all the steps you can think of. Mm-hmm. And then reverse that journey um, and kind of write an email sequence out of that or build your, you know, your content around those steps. That's, that's a, that's a handy way to come up with ideas for emails or any other content. I like that. Um, yeah. And then, um, so you're calling this new thing flywheel, um, endless email flywheel. Tell us about the name and why you came up with that and kind of how that applies. Okay. That, that came about from, um, an interview I heard that Tim Ferriss did with Jim Collins, who is a best-selling business author. Mm-hmm. And I think this interview took place in 2019. It knocked my socks off. And basically Jim, one of the best, one of the best known books Jim is known for writing is called good to great. And the whole point of the book was, how did some companies go from good to great and other companies either went downward or just plateaued? And he, yeah. and he, when he, when he went into this, he interviewed all these CEOs and heads of companies and he expected to find all these stories of like lightning bolt moments or strokes of genius or one magical moment. And it was almost never the case. The case was instead that people executed one fundamental or one thing over and over again in a very intelligent way with persistence. And, um, but it's not just a series of steps. And he, he mentions that the classic example of a flywheel in this way is Amazon. So if you look at Amazon's flywheel, 
I hope I get the steps right, but it's basically, they offered a bunch of stuff. This is how Amazon became the best, the, the largest online store in the world. You could look at it this way. They, they offered the lowest prices on products and that, that couldn't help but draw more customers. And when you draw more customers, you can't help on the next point of the flywheel to draw in more third-party distributors. And when you bring in more third-party distributors, you can't help but um, you know increase your traffic which, and that, that's going to drive up revenues, which allows you to lower prices even further. So the, but the metaphor of the flywheel is basically, if you think of a flywheel, you, it takes a bunch of energy to turn it once. But once you turn it once, you eventually gain more momentum and momentum. And it, you get more and more greater effort out of the same, more and more greater results out of, this, out of the same effort. And so it's, it's a self-reinforcing loop. It's like an inexorable march towards progress. And that was, that was what Jim Collins came up with in this book. And I found it really compelling. And it, and it occurred to me that email can be a flywheel. Because this course that I just launched, that Google Doc you saw, one of the insights I had from launching that was a lot of these people came out of the woodwork because I hadn't offered anything to my, audience, to my audience in a while. A lot of these people came out of the woodwork and said, you know, I've been reading your emails for a while and I really like them. I just wanted to tell you that. And whether they joined the course or not, they just felt like they needed to tell me that. And I, felt, and I, I had this insight that, wow, this is just the weight of me turning the flywheel, sending emails out all the time. And it's just building up without me knowing it. So that's why I call it the endless, endless email flywheel, because I talked about earlier, people weren't sending emails. So I wanted to get them excited about the idea of sending more emails. And I wanted to put across the notion that if you just keep at it, it's like a flywheel that's going to get better and better. And of course, you got to generate traffic and get more people on your list. But <clears throat> I sincerely believe, and I'm pretty passionate about it, that when you send emails on a regular basis, you can really build up a fan base if you write them well. So that's why it was called that. And I really think that email can be a flywheel for your business um, in terms of generating interest and, and referrals and, and sales. Yeah. And keeping you top of mind, you know, by doing it regularly. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good, a good thing to point out too. And what you just said there is, you had people that have been reading you for a long time and you would, it's, it's easy in email when you're sending emails to think you're, it's not really doing anything. But then all of a sudden you realize you get a message from somebody like that. It's like, Oh, I've been reading your emails and then you launch something new and it does really well. Um, there's a lot more going on. Yes. There's open rates and click through rates, right. But there's also a lot of people that just open and read and then maybe don't, they don't click through or whatever. But, and I know you, Bill, you don't have as many click throughs as a lot of people might. Um, you have a you could probably sell twice as much actually as what you do as what you do. Um, but yeah, I think you have to realize that not there's more going on with email than what you might see on the surface. Yes. Well, think about, think about all the people, the list that you're on, how often will you hit reply? I don't do it too often, but there's, no. there's like, I, I mentioned Laura Belgray earlier. I, I think the world of her, have I ever hit reply and told her what I felt about her? I, I don't even think I have yet. Yeah. And, there, and there's, there's, she's got to have hundreds or thousands of people on her list like me that like open every email. So impressed, but I've never taken the time to, 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 to get back to her on that. So that's yeah. kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably should never know. I, a, I will. I will at some point for sure. Yeah. Might be a relationship there that, you know, you're both copywriters, both love email. Yeah. 
Got some stuff in common. I mean, that's how kind of how we started, right? That's why you're. On, that's why you've been on the show because I replied to an email. Um, I don't. I think it was a friend of mine, a copywriter friend that that actually told me about your stuff because she had bought your course. Um, okay. So yeah, I think she's the one that told me about it. And then I started reading your emails. I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. So yeah, um, Jonathan, you got some other questions? So when's the new? I'm curious. When's the uh, when's the new course available? Well, it just launched and I just actually, it's a, it's a five week class and I just had the first class yesterday. Okay. So enrollment has closed, but I, I'm recording everything. So I will release it as a digital recording. Okay. When the dust settles. Awesome. So about, about a month and a half or so, maybe be ready for again. So great Christmas present for Jonathan. Yes. Anybody's listening. Absolutely. For Sean. (laughs) Yeah. We, we like um, to re-gift things. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, what are you most excited about in the course? Well, I'm, I'm just going to sound corny, but I, I'm really excited about people getting results by actually sending emails. Yeah. So this, this first week, the first <clears> class <throat> that I did was all about kind of setting the table, how to pull all your stories. Next week, I'm going to get into how I actually put these emails together. And I think when they see how simple it is, they're going to want to write these emails and send them out because it's really not a complicated formula. It's just a matter of kind of doing it. And I think here, here's the big key is when, when you have this huge store and a vault of stories and ideas, it just, it, you know, because people just hate facing a blank page, but when you, when you have a, a boatload of stories off to the side, you can't help but write about them because they're sitting there. I think the biggest problem people have is they don't know what to say because they haven't accumulated these stories and they don't. Sure have a way of kind of filing, but when you have all of them sitting there, you, you want to, you know, write them and send them out. Yeah. And I think people are worried too, that they have to be too original or too whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even, even public speakers, pastors, teachers, you know, I've got on this shelf behind me, I've got like four books that are like, you know, compilations of stories, you know, that you can use for, mainly used for speakers back in the day, you know, there's like a, and then there's like a, uh, there's one for preachers like Tony Evans, you know, stories. And there's hundreds and hundreds of stories there that I could pull for those. Um, and that's just other people's stories, not, not my own story. So um, you should launch a journal, like a journal prompt type journal to go along with that or as a follow-up thing, um, you know, how to, how to create and capture your own stories. All you have to do is take your prompts and put them in a journal format. Yeah. That'd be a great, great thing that for is, copywriters and writers. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I have these, I have these memory prompts, like I told you before, but yeah. that's, you, would this be like a second step you're talking about taking those ideas and riffing on them or. Yeah. So if you, if you did a journal, you could just, you know, you could title it something for anybody who writes, you know, 101 uh, story ideas for anyone who writes emails. And you just put your prompts in there and maybe a little bit of guidance and yep. they just write down their story. So the one with the window, like, like I'm curious so ever since you said that, like my brain in right in the back of my brain, it's like, I wonder what Bill's story is of looking out a window when he's his childhood at home. You know, it's like, that's interesting. And I would have never thought of that as like a, as a jumping off point, <clears throat> but you're absolutely right. It's a, you know, something's going to come to mind for me. I mean, we moved around quite a bit but still a certain house came to mind for me. Um, yeah. 
which actually makes the story even more interesting, right? Because we did move around a lot. And for some reason, this house came to mind. I could probably unpack that a little bit with, you know, 15 minutes of writing and journaling and put that into an email story. So what I'm curious, Bill, what is your, what was the view out of your childhood home? It was, well, we, we lived on a corner in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. There was a mailbox on our corner. And I, I do have one story and it's kind of, it's crazy you would ask. It, it's kind of a seminal story of, and it, you know, everybody's got their lifetime issues. And um, so I'm, I'm one of five kids. I have four older brothers, three older brothers and a younger sister. And I don't know how old I was. I must've been like 10, 11 years old or something. And I got punished for something. And I, I'm, so I'm sitting in my room on a, on a, we didn't even call a timeout then. I was just punished for something. Yes. I'm looking out my bedroom window and my three, my three brothers are playing street hockey in the street and I wasn't allowed to go out there. Oh. And so I'm, I'm banging on the window trying, I'm making jokes and I'm trying to get their attention. And uh, the Philadelphia Flyers back then had a guy at the games, at the Spectrum, he used to hold up signs that had um, unusual sayings on them. And he became well-known. So I started making signs, and I'm holding it as a joke <laughs> to my brothers. And they were witty and funny, and they laughed. And then, But after a while, they tuned me out. And so finally, I wrote on one of the signs, you just don't care. <laughs> and so... Um, is basically like me looking for validation, like, Hey, I'm locked up here. Can you guys, you know, help me out here? I wasn't, I wasn't being heard. Here I am. One of five siblings. We're all born a year apart Four boys. I'm kind of lost in the shuffle. I'm screaming out for attention from my bedroom window. I know this is like a really long, bad story, but kind of a sad story. I mean, how it is a a sad story. But I mean, there's locked up in your room, like, but yeah. there's, I mean, there's, there's three or four ways I can think of from there to segue into, you know, marketing or whatever. Like, you know, do you feel like you're not being heard? Do you feel like you're yeah. Yeah. alone in your office while your, your ideal clients are out there playing whatever, like, you know, something like that. I could see working off of that story and really resonating with people is like, Oh yeah, that is how it feels. Right. Well, I, I didn't use that specific story, but I used that theme in one of my emails, Sean. And basically what I did was I, I put a picture of my family and I'm still I'm close to my siblings. We're great friends and everything. So they're sad elements to me, my childhood, like everybody has, but oh, yeah, I, sure. I had a very good childhood overall. Anyway, I, I put a picture of us um, in an email and I'm like, you know, cause I, I moved 3000 miles away at age 20. I, I kind of busted out and I was not a black sheep of the family, but I wrote an email that kind of explained when you grow up in a family as we kind of all look the same, we're all kind of dressed the same and you feel like you're not being heard. It, it, one of my, the fires inside me is tilting at windmills, making my point. I need to have a voice to, to, to say things it was kind of a pretty good email because it kind of explained where I'm coming from. Sure. Right. And uh, so I'll start it with the bedroom window. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's true for a lot of people in your, you know, that want to send emails, know they should be sending emails, but they're just not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to be heard. Yeah. They know they, sh- they know they're not going to get business if they're not heard. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. What? That's a 20, I'm just going to say real quick, that's one thing I try and and show people how to do is to tap into everybody's got those like fires burning, Yeah, you know, like, and for me, for me, one of those was, I know that I need, 
I'm always looking for validation or my, my, my thing to be heard. Like I want that megaphone in order to get my point of view out there. Not everybody's like that. And it happens to be me based on my path. So everybody's got their own little fires in them. And when you kind of know what they are, those can lead to stories and, and your point of view. That's really cool. Do you have a lot of those prompts inside the course? Yeah. Well, a lot of those prompts lead to those insights yeah. as to what makes your, you know, your thing turn. Yeah. And I think that the, the big takeaway there for me is like how simple um, the memories can be. And just, you know, the, I, I, you remember Michael Port, he was big probably 10 years ago with his speaker book yourself solid. Oh yeah. All that kind of stuff. I went to an event with, with him probably, uh, it's probably been six or eight years ago. And he had something similar where he had these things where you, to help prompt stories that you could use in your stage talks. Mm-hmm. Um, See, so yeah, I think that's, that's a really valuable exercise for people to be doing is to, is to figure out how do I prompt more of those stories? Obviously you sign up for Bill's course when it comes out. Um, but in the meantime, I think a good way to do that is, is to check out story sales machine, which is still available. Do you think that's like a good foundation or these independent courses? Is this like a one Oh one and a two Oh one or they totally stand alone? No, I would say this new one I released is definitely a, if my course, if my original course is a one one this is definitely the next level up okay. goes a little bit deeper. Um, the first one's kind of more of an intro, but definitely gets you on that path because there's, sure. there's prompts in that, in that course as well. Yeah. And that's, uh, for those of you listening or watching, that's over at storysalesmachine.com. And, um, yeah, the headline is use my better than ever use my better than TV emails to revive your list and increase sales, unlimited story driven emails at your fingertips. So, um, Jonathan and I have both, uh, bought this course and you have used it so we can vouch for it. Love it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. And 37 bucks. I mean, like I said, I've written that client is. emails that I've got paid, you know, yes. two or $300 per email. And I should probably send you a commission on that. So, uh, yeah, save me, you know, an hour or 45 minutes at the computer. Cause I could just pull one of those stories and just, you know, write a little bit of an intro and a little bit of a outro mm-hmm. and, I was done in, in 10 minutes instead of 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm certainly grateful for it. Jonathan, any last questions? Yeah. One last, uh, I'm just curious, what is your frequency on, you know, you're sending out emails. I mean, everybody talks about that, you know, whether it's every week, every, every other yeah, week, like to hear every day, you, every other day. Yeah, for you and your some of your clients, I'd be curious, you know, both. Yeah, my my own personal frequency, it's not every day, but it's multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of people that really preach daily emails and they stick to that. Yep. Um I I focus on if it if it if I to me it's like because some of the stories I tell are a little more involved. And if it takes me two days to get one of those together, if I email every other day, sure. And it's a higher quality email than just spewing something out every day. I think that's worth it. Okay. Um, but I, I would say of the clients I've talked to, the people that have purchased my course, a lot of people struggle to get an email out once a week. And that's one reason I created that other course. Yeah. But I'm emailing multiple times a week. It's anywhere from three to four to five times a week. 
Would I prefer to email once every day? I would. I have a lot, a lot going on. I'm not at that point yet. Um, but I've got what a about, what about for the clients you actually write for? What do you recommend to them or what do they hire you for? Yeah, well, I recommend to them as much as they're comfortable with um, okay. because almost everyone I talk to is not emailing enough. Right. And then once they see the, once they see the style of emails I write for them, they do want to send more because they see that people like them and they're not unsubscribing. They, they can't get enough of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of fear around emailing too much and it's just, it's just not a valid fear. Yeah. Um, the people that don't want them will unsubscribe and that's fine. Like they're not, they're probably not going to buy anyway. Right. So um, yeah, I'm all for like daily emails, but at least, I mean, I usually start with clients. I say, you got to do at least two a week. Like that's the minimum yeah, to me right. is two a week. Um, three is better. And, you know, four or five, I think is good if you don't want to do daily. I mean, daily can get very cumbersome. And I, I agree with you, Bill. I think you can end up with some less than good emails and people can yeah, tell when they're reading them. At the same them. time, if you're a good storyteller, I know, I think Ben, Ben Settle is like every yeah. day. And yeah. so I love getting his emails. I mean, cause yeah. And he's got his flywheel going, right. Cause he gets yeah. feedback from, yep. from customers. He gets complaints. He get and he, he'll just use any of those things yeah. to create a new email. So it, maybe that's a, a more realistic answer for people. Bill is like, start with two to three a week. And then yep. as, as you're getting feedback, as you're getting experience, then you can ramp it up. And cause it, it is when you, as creators, because that's what you're doing, you're creating stories, you're creating emails. Um, the more you do it, the easier it gets and the more ideas you get. I know, Bill, I'm sure this happened to you, but like, I know when I'm writing copy, I usually get two or three ideas for something else while I'm writing <laughs> that I have to go capture, put over here. So every time I write one piece, I might get two or three other ideas or two to three other angles yeah. because I sat down and wrote the one. That's true. I, I have the same thing. I keep a file for all that just so mm -hmm. I know I'm never going to lose them. Yep. And that's, that's the beauty of writing more regularly. It just leads to more ideas. Exactly. Yeah. I know there's, um, I heard this interview from Taylor Swift, uh, probably five or six years ago. And what she does, she uses the notes tab on her iPhone. Yep. And anytime she sees like a one liner or here's a one liner or whatever, she <laughs> just writes it down in her notes tab. It's one long, notes tab mm -hmm. full of these, like, you know, saw this, you know, saw an oak tree in a field while on the, on the tour bus. And yep. she just writes that down. Right. Heard a quote, you know, whatever. Um, and then when it's songwriting time, she sits down and goes through that list and tries to turn all of those things into, into their own things. Um, so I, that's another thing I tell anybody that's wanting to learn copy or email writing, have a place that's always with you, which is for most of us is our phone Yep. where you can capture little ideas, stories you see at the grocery store in a magazine, hear a quote over here, you know, over here, story in, in the checkout line, whatever. Um, and the more you do it, the more you hear, like you said, Bill, you see them everywhere now. Mm -hmm. And it's cause you're, you're tuned. Your, yep. your radar's up for them. I, I do the exact same thing. I, I use Apple notes on my phone because it's, it's, I just, what's uh, my, my feeling is what's the easiest way to get this yeah. somewhere. A couple taps. I'm in there. I hit the microphone. I say a few words. You don't have to say much. You'll remember the rest later. I have it in my calendar 
to process my Apple notes once a week and I yeah. put them in a spreadsheet and I, I rate them one to five stars. I have other categories so that I can sort them. And, you know, I have a spreadsheet that's got hundreds of ideas that I can go to at any time. Yeah. See, yeah, I'm old awesome. school. Look at this. I, I see. I, I have go. to use a notebook. Your moleskin. Yeah. <laughs> the moleskin. Yeah. That's right. The yeah. moleskin. The moleskin. Are you not using your remarkable? Huh? Are you know, I, d- I still tablet? use my remarkable, but it's, you know, for, for, for shorthand, nothing, for quick writing. Yeah. I have to. There's nothing like a little notepad. Exactly. For sure. Yep. Yeah. When I traveled a lot, I also kept like a little leather notepad. Yep. had a pin attached to it. Those yep. are great. But yeah, now I, I, I even, I even went to Amazon because sometimes I will carry index cards or a little paper notebook. And yeah. I went to Amazon to find like a three inch like pen. So yeah. that if I'm, if I'm at the gym, I can just kind of whip it out and, and write something. Yep. yep. Um, but just yeah, whatever you can do, because you will forget them if you don't write them down. That's right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You will not. I mean, I've been on walks before and I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. And I'll repeat it to myself like six or seven times. I was like, yeah, I'll remember that. <laughs> Nope. And then like 10 steps later, I'm like, what was that idea? <laughs> or how about this? How about this? I just told my wife, I said, I, I think I came up with a million dollar idea. I don't think it is, but have you ever been in the, I said, what we need to invent is a whiteboard you put in the shower because you get these great thoughts in the shower. Yes. It's already, it's already out there. You, don't have, you need a waterproof whiteboard to write these ideas on. Instead, you're doing what you just did. Like, okay, when I get off, when I get out of the shower, I got to remember to write down this, this, and this. Yeah, and that actually exists already. It's on Amazon. Okay. So <laughs> it's there. I think it's because um, scuba divers have that, like a grease pencil with a underwater okay. whiteboard. Same thing. Shoot. And man. somebody marketed it for, for showers. That is so going yeah, on my there. Christmas list. Yes. Yeah, or you could just get a grease pencil and write on the shower door if it's a glass door. Oh, there you go. That works too. So. Well, all right. You're yeah, you're right. It, it probably is a million-dollar idea. You're right about that. Um <laughs> They don't do a very good job marketing because every entrepreneur in the world should have one of those and they don't. That's right. So somebody just needs to do a better job marketing. Well, gentlemen, I think we're, uh, we're at an hour and 10 minutes. So time flew. Absolutely. Um, my beer did it. get a little bit better, by the way. So, Mine did too. Yeah. So are, are you up from a, you were at a three, where, where is it at now? I was at a four, Jonathan's three, six. So I'm probably at a four, two, four, three. Okay. It yeah, mellowed I'm out a little a, bit. Uh, yeah, I'm at a four, right out of four yeah. now. So yeah, some of these darker beers, they definitely need some, or some of the stronger beers, they need to <laughs> air out a little bit. So, so your ratings have beer goggles, is what you're saying? Yes, <laughs> I actually have a pair of beer goggles. I didn't wear them today. I should have worn them. <laughs> Bill, is there anything else you want the people, the world, to know? Any last words of wisdom? Yeah. Or? Once the once the course is fine, you know. Once I know you guys are going through the live training, but once it's available, where can people find? Can you let them know where they can find out more? Uh, you know what? The, 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 because it's not available now because enrollment's closed. The best way, if people want to want to get a hold of it, just send me an email. At, uh, the email address is Bill at StorySalesMachine.com. Okay. There you go. Bill at StorySalesMachine.com. Com. And just go ahead and pick up the first course. Absolutely. It's yeah. worth every penny. Yeah. I, you really should be charging a lot more than $37, Bill. I mean, well, he's got upsells. A, huh? He's got some upsell. He's got an upsell in I there. I know. I know, but still. I take mean, the upsell, too. <laughs> go through the whole funnel. Take all the stuff. That's a 97 to start with. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah. it's That's that's bottom line right there. Yeah. 97. It's so good. Yeah. It's so no, good. It is good stuff, for sure. 
Well, Bill, we've enjoyed. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom? I didn't want to cut you off. Any? No, any is, this, is this the section of the show where it's called Hold My Beer and I just go off on a rant? And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, whatever you want. Wait. <laughs> yes. No, go I off on a rant. rant. <laughs> with that? Yes. Start with, yeah, we want to hear a rant. Go off on a rant. <laughs> I, I, don't, I just, I was bluffing. I don't have a rant of oh, any kind. Damn, but, you don't uh, seem like a ranter to me, Bill. <laughs> Oh, I can rant. I but can rant once. No, well. he's he, yeah. He loves sports. So I mean, there's something to rant right. in sports all the time. I mean, yeah. Well, Bill, we'll put you in the green room. We really enjoyed having you on again for the second time. Um, so uh, we'll put you in the green room. We'll check in here. Just if you got a second, hang yep, on, sure. and we'll we'll yep. come back to you. And then uh, let's see. All right, Jonathan, that was good stuff. As usual, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm jumping on board to grab the course when it's available. So yeah. Um, uh, just gotta, we'll have to, we'll have to time a little better next time and get out ahead know, of that. But, I know. It, um, yeah. I didn't see the emails until I started pitching <laughs> it. So, but yeah, good stuff. Um, I'm excited to check it out as well. Um, so yeah, it's good stuff as usual. Story sales machine.com is where you want to find the course. Yep. And then you want to get on the, the email list. The we'll first be posting, course. Yeah. We'll be posting a link on our show page this week mm-hmm. as this episode airs. So. Yep. Um, good stuff, right. man. I am always, that. it's always a good interview with Bill. So we need yeah. to have him on from time to time. Yep. Uh, maybe we will have him back on when we hit 300. So. Yeah. Or 380 or <laughs> 380, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. We'll take us out. Yep. To all of our listeners, you can find us at persuasionbythepint.com. You can find us on all of your podcast platforms, Stitcher Radio, iHeart, Spotify, you name it. Um, Also, got to mention, we are new to Twitch. Um, Oh, wow. Just signed us up on Twitch. We are streaming. Actually, we're streaming live today on Twitch. So, uh, kind of a new uh, platform for... um, uh, you know, it's like gamers, isn't it? You're right. It's mostly for gamers. There are some podcasters that use it, but um, yeah. you know, StreamYard has added it to their uh, list of platforms that they will stream to. So I cool. signed us up, and we're there. So we'll see. Nice. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, persuasionbythepint.com. And uh, Sean, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. See ya.